Today's episode of Positive Feedback Loop is brought to you by, uh, wait, what? Positive Feedback Loop. Welcome to Positive Feedback Loop, the show where we talk about anything and everything from three different perspectives, very different perspectives. So today with me are myself, Luis Poza Gonzalez, and my lovely co-host, Ray. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And Stephanie. I'm looking forward to another episode with you guys. You know, I'm not going to lie. I thought that you were going to say Stephanie's name after lovely. So I was a little bit uh, flattered there, Luis. Thank you very much. And it's continuing to begin the show. <laughs> it's okay. Stephanie is extremely lovely, but I just didn't want to make Ray feel put out by adding the extremely. For those of you uh, just joining us for the first time, we have a, taken on a new format. We're going to be approaching topics from the perspective of the past, present, and future of these topics. And today's topic is going to be about attention, attention spans, getting attention, and maintaining attention. So to start us off, I wanted to bring up something that I've been doing in my own research into attention, and it's the myth of these dwindling attention span. It's not so much a myth, but rather a lack of information. There is a study that came out in about 2015, uh, done by Microsoft Corporation, I think of Canada, that cited a very obscure link that said that the attention span for individuals in today's society has diminished to about eight seconds. And the study touts that this is less time than goldfish who have a supposed attention span of nine seconds. This, there is no backing evidence for this. This is just something that has gone along with our idea that because we are so connected to the internet and we're so distracted by all of the things that are out there, our attention spans have diminished somehow. But there is no evidence that I've been able to find that this is actually true outside of this one study that has unsourceable information. So given that we have this information in mind, I wanted to think about attention spans from a different perspective because the attention, because attention spans are very complicated thing and they are something that a lot of research is still being done on. And yes, while the internet may be having a big impact on it, it's not something that's very obviously clear. So I got to thinking, we all remember the movies in the 90s were about 90 minutes. I don't know if, well, for those of you, you viewers that might be a little bit younger, they may not remember this, but there was a period in time where movies were about 90 minutes long, and that's kind of changed. It's, they've gotten a little bit longer. They're a little bit more, uh, you see a lot, you know, ever since Lord of the Rings, you've been seeing these like two, three hour spectacles that are these gigantic long movies that sometimes you really are, you start getting a little inconvenienced by the end of them and you, you start thinking about what is the potential benefit of going to the bathroom at this moment? Am I gonna miss a key scene? But I have been sitting in this chair for about three hours. I do need to go to the bathroom. So I looked into how long movies have gone, have gotten in the last, well, since they started. I looked into some research done by a Dr. Randy Olson, uh, the lead data scientist at Life Epigenetics Inc., at least according to his blog, who took all of the movies that have ever been released and then looked at the ones that were in the top 100 for IMDb for every single year. That is to say, the ones that got the most recognition or were the most seen, uh, or rather, the, the 20 top took the top 25 most popular movies as based on by IMDb for every single year, starting in 1930 and going into the 2020s. And he noted the runtime of these movies. As you would expect, older movies tended to be a little bit shorter because the technology just wasn't there at the time. And, and people didn't know as much about attention, uh, like how much people would sit for. They used to be more uh, like vaudeville acts than anything. But as time passed, they became longer. They started reaching into, by around the 1960s, they, reached, they started reaching into the 120-minute time span, which is kind of where they averaged until the 80s, the early 80s, late into the 90s, where they started, there was a dip. And uh, Dr. Olson uh, hypothesizes this dip is resulting from new technology for video recording. So VHS tapes having a limit to how much they can record or rather hold, they could only cram in so much time. So the movie time kind of decreased to account for that. But 
once we got back in the 2000s and people weren't using VHS anymore, movie times have gone back to the same length as the 60s and 70s and 80s. So we're back again to the average 120 hour, I mean, 120 minute movie, 120 hour movie is more of a Netflix special, um, which is, as we all know, that those TV series that you binge watch are more of a movie than a TV series at this point. But I haven't found any evidence that uh, whether it's in the world of film, whether it's in the world of research, where it's in the world of technology, the attention span for people hasn't diminished. The thing I have found is that the things striving for your attention have increased. And that's where we get that confusion. That's where we're confusing attention spans. It's not that our attention spans have gone down. It's that there are more and more things fighting for our attention, and they have become weaponized. Because all that information, all that knowledge, all that research, all that information we've gotten from psychological research, like how to create a Skinner box to make something that is compulsive and makes you want to come back, has been used to create a sort of arms race on the internet for every single website, every single app, all media, constantly fighting for your attention, making it harder to maintain attention on one specific thing. Shouldn't they be starting to pay us for our attention? Like if I'm on a website, why... We should be the ones getting paid for those ads that we observe, not not YouTube or these other companies or Facebook. I mean, that's just you know, a possible future that can happen. Well, I mean, if you want to be part of market research, you they might pay you. But for the most part, the reason they're, they're giving you things to watch is because they want to make money off of someone else or off of you by you paying you or you paying for watching it. Well, I had a question while you were kind of talking about the attention spans, Luis. You know, there is a difference between, I think you're getting to this, there's a difference between an attention span, how long attention lasts, and then getting somebody's attention. Or in marketing speak, you know, the difference between capturing attention and maintaining attention. So definitions of attention span tend to vary. There's different types of attention span and But what I think tasks. I'm saying is that attention span is different than capturing attention. Because yes. technically you are paying attention if even for a millisecond someone has captured your attention. Whereas attention a span, span is the, yeah, duration the duration of your attention, yeah. And I agree that to that degree, you know, it is it's it sounds different. It sounds like the things that are trying to take away your attention shouldn't matter. But attention span, at least the most common way of thinking about it, is that it's how much time you can spend on a task without getting distracted. At least that's like the boilerplate definition of Worm Wikipedia. So those distractions are actually a huge part of what kind of affect our attention spans based on like at least our common understanding of it. But it's way more complicated than just how much time you can spend on things while l pushing away other stuff, right? Is so, it really just distractions? that take us away? I mean, I could have no other distractions and decide to end my attention on a certain thing. It's also the lack of interest in the thing that you're potentially trying to focus on. Maybe the, you know, the process that you're going through at the moment or the work that you're doing is just boring or you've been doing it too long or it's too simple. I think that, or it's too hard, you know, you got to find that right balance where you can feel achievement and success in order to keep going if you keep failing you'll get bored and you'll feel like you don't have the attention for it also if it's too easy you feel like it's not challenging enough you just want to you know do something that's feels more worthwhile well this is why there's different definitions for it or rather why it's hard to pin down what attention span is because for example you can't really judge attention span based on for something that's uh, engaging and what makes the person want to keep doing it compared to something that's extremely monotonous and rote work and uh, I like you don't want to pay attention to. Those are two very different things, right? So if you're mentioning the only, attention span. Yeah, sorry, go right, ahead. Yeah, it's, it's not the only two uh, variables. There's many variables. It's your environment, kind of like, you know, what you were saying, Luis, you are saying that are both of you about distractions that has to deal with your environment. Where are you sitting? Is it lit up? Is it dark? Like all these things can cause attention. Of course. To are you hungry? Are you tired? Is it noisy? Right. Do you want to do this? Is it something that you know how to do and you can do it easily? Is but it something that's frustrating to do? These are all are, variables. Right, exactly. They're all variables. I think what our current society and culture is talking about, primarily when we say, oh, we, we are losing our attention span because of technology, for example, or social media, it's that. And then people point to the fact that 
more people are getting diagnosed with ADD and ADHD, so they're using that as a, a factor or point of evidence that we're getting worse at paying attention. Um, but that's that's problematic to use because that's more of a issue of how much we diagnose or how much we can recognize a condition versus it becoming more prevalent. There, yeah. I don't think there's much evidence that ADD or an ADHD have become more prevalent because of technology. I, most of the information is that we are better at spotting it because we have better definitions for it and better uh, psychological toolkits for finding it and spotting it and giving a a additional help for people. Yeah, you're right. I don't think it's a cause. It's not a causality. I don't think that you know, our technology has caused more ADHD at all. But And like you said, the diagnosis, the diagnoses that we are seeing is primarily due to better being better able to find out if someone has it just through better techniques. Luis, question for you. You've mentioned that attention span, the duration of attention, has not necessarily decreased over time despite claims from others that somehow we have shorter attention spans. My question is, has attention, the capturing of attention, has that been impacted over time? That is a difficult question to answer in terms of there is just not that much research that I can find. It's possible there's more research out there that I'm just not privy to. But for the most part, anything I've seen that talks about changes to attention span usually tends to cite that 2015 study and then doesn't go any further. It just says, oh, our attention spans have gone down because it's now eight seconds and goldfish are have more attention spans than we do blah but one goldfish have actually fairly good attention spans and they have pretty good memories and two really there's no evidence that we have bad attention spans right now or worsening attention spans that said there has been uh, the idea of things vying for attention and distracting us being a sort of uh, semi-moral panic kind of like a oh, the look at the world today, everything's garbage because things are always distracting us, has been around for a long time. This has been around since like the 1800s. Uh, people have been writing and complaining about, for example, the noise in cities being too distracting and all these things vying for your attention. People, There are poems about this and books that have been written about the idyllic life that used to be in the past. So it's not so much a new thing in that sense. What's new is the scale of it, the scale of distraction. Because now, like I, like I mentioned earlier, it's become a science and it's become a, an entire industry. of th Like, I mean, look at marketing, right? That's the whole industry of it is. It's to grab your attention. That's the entire point, point of it. And it's um, to grab your attention wherever you go, know how to best grab your attention, know, know whose attention to grab, know when they're the most uh, available for grabbing their attention, and then making something that will grab their attention, whether it's a a movie or a show or an ad or a product or whatever it is that, that you might need to do to get that person to go to your site and click your link and buy your product. So I don't know, honestly. Uh, it's complicated, but my Let's... suspicion is we have definitely gotten more distracted, but less, but we don't haven't necessarily lost attention span. Let's take attention the idea of attention more at a basic level. So what is attention in general? When I'm crossing the street, I have to pay attention, right? For It's a survival technique, right? When I'm drinking a glass of water, I'm paying attention that I'm doing it in a way that won't spill water all over myself. When I'm driving a car, I'm also paying attention. But there comes a point when I'm driving a car that I lose attention and it kind of goes on autopilot. Are we just getting better at autopiloting our lives because of technology? Does that make any sense? I don't think I'd say so. I think if anything, we have gotten potentially worse um, because now we have weird, for example, I listen to podcasts constantly. I am always listening to stuff. Um, Only positive feedback loop though, right? Well, um, <laughs> on repeat, like on repeat. <laughs> As much as I'd like to say that's the case, I'm not that full of myself and not that in love with myself that I would listen to myself repeatedly ad nauseum. <laughs> that said, 
I do listen to podcasts all the time. When I'm walking, going anywhere, I'm paying it. I'm listening to something. I'm trying. I'm I'm reading constantly. I'm watching videos constantly. Whether they're educational or not doesn't really matter. For me, I see them as a way to better myself a lot of the time. But I also listen to stuff that is just entertainment and is just occupying my mind space. I am not spending that time that I could be spending thinking my for myself or uh, focusing on my own reflections and my own thoughts, there's a lot of that time that I waste listening to other people's uh, thoughts and uh, intentions. Um, if you guys are familiar with uh, CGP Gray, who's a YouTuber, he's uh, he does a lot of educational content on YouTube. He also has a podcast uh, called Hello Internet, which is pretty good, but it's mostly only mostly makes sense to watch after you've already seen some of his stuff on YouTube. He's also the guy that did... Um, Humans Need Not Apply, a great uh, little YouTube video about automation that uh, we actually saw in school. So CGP Gray, he's, he, makes, he makes a lot of great content online. He just released a couple of days ago a little video blog of him just walking through nature and just talking about this exact same topic, which surprised me because we planned this episode uh, weeks, in weeks ago, and he just released this two days before recording, before we record. I've noticed that before with other podcasts too, which is interesting. Especially, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. It's surprising, um, mm -hmm. but he talks a little bit about the same very same thing. How his his mind is constantly being uh, drawn or really pulled in many directions by all this content that's out there that's constantly wants his attention, which means that you're not really spending that time uh, within your own headspace, right? All this time that is taken away by item by technology or uh, entertainment or education or whatever it is that is you're engaging with online is time that you're not spending within yourself. Because even if you are thinking about stuff, a lot of times it's distracting. And he mentioned something that I do myself, and it's listening to podcasts in the shower, which is kind of a crazy thing to do. Because the shower is like the last bastion of, of what we like to call shower thoughts, right? Well, Just yeah, like quiet meditation. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you know, most people exactly. can't bring a book in there or a TV in there. And so it's like the, yeah, the last place where you finally can at least just be quiet. Your mind yeah. can be quiet. But yeah, people have brought radios and other things into the shower with them, especially with newer technologies and waterproof technologies. So we got to ask ourselves, what's too much? When it comes to this, what is too you, much consumption? You're the, you are, you have said in previous episodes that you are the type that, although you listen to a lot of podcasts, you also go on quiet walks to just think. You're good well, at thinking in the quiet without the distractions. For the most part, actually. So while I do walk, I am listening to a podcast. I'm just ignoring it. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm literally, why are you that's listening what's happening. I'm listening to something, but I'm just Not on purpose. It. You might end up ignoring it. It's not like you tune it on no, to no, ignore no, I'm it. Just, that's actually not even true. Is it like Most background of the time, noise? Yeah, you? it just becomes background noise because I don't want to listen to like the cityscape. Hmm. And it gives me something that like if I want to like come back out of my introspection, I have something to listen to. I just drop in and out of the podcast or the, the song or whatever it is I'm listening to. The book sometimes, although if it's a book, I get a, I'm usually a lot more engaged with it. But then I just want to have time to read a book because I don't get time at home that that often. So it's it's a bit of a balance. And knowing how much is too much is something that, I, that I'm trying to be more cognizant of. With that in mind, I want to talk a little bit about the future of attention-seeking uh, ads and uh, things that distract us. So, Ray, tell us a little bit about... What's coming down the pipeline in the world of attention spans and distractions? Well, in terms of distractions, that's going to continue to increase um, from what I've seen and what I've read. There's going to be displays that are more interactive. So, you know, you've, we've had billboards in the past and now we've seen billboards that are more digital and they constantly are changing kind of like screensavers. But you also have that on cars, you know, you know, instead of having a little triangle prism triangular prism on top of a cab. Well, actually, we don't even have cabs anymore. But the point is you're going to have like these, um, you know, evolving digital billboards everywhere, including on you while you're wearing an augmented reality glasses. 
you'll be getting potentially some ads in there. You might not like it, but if you go into a room or into a building or into a mall and your your um, account settings have been set up for receiving coupons, you'll immediately get prompted, hey, the store on your right got something for sale. Hey, so you're constantly, you constantly, the second you walk into the mall, it's not like, wow, this is the mall. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to save or whatever. And that's going to be, um, you know, increasing. The other thing that I think will happen in the future is people's attention will become actually much better. Because right now, a lot of times our attention spans fail because we have a gap in information or a gap of knowledge for the thought that we're trying to process. You know, there's something missing. We don't have the answer to a specific problem in the larger context of the problem. So we kind of give up. We'll say, oh, we'll figure it out later. We just something else comes by that makes more sense or it's easier to comprehend. But in the future, especially with devices that are integrated with your brain or brain-connected uh, interfaces, when you think of a knowledge gap, it'll immediately trigger the response to find out exactly what can fill that gap. And you'll continuously have a stream of information available to you. So the possibility of losing that attention span will decrease because you'll just have any information that you need so easily accessible that you'll not lose the stream of thought, the train of thought. So you'll just continue to go. So are you positing that in the future you will not be able to forget You'll be able to forget. That's not what I'm saying. Well, actually, what does it mean to forget? Are I mean, you it's to have a gap of knowledge. No, well, well if a gap you don't, of knowledge it's not a can gap be something you haven't learned yet as well. Ha- but is, learned it, is it not? Is is memory not just information, but simply information that's personal about your own things that have happened to you? It's an interesting question. It's not necessarily information. It could also be your interpretation of information. So you've left True, the information in the, it, out of your memory, but you've kept but the interpretation. Just, at, at best, that's metadata. It's still yeah. data. <laughs> if you have a machine yeah. that is recording all things that happen to you and your own thought processes as you go along with your life, you're going to have – I mean it, it will remember all things for you, even your own thoughts about your own thoughts. And your emotions? If that's, that's possible at all. I guess there'll have to be an off switch or uh, some sort of way to go offline. Maybe in the future, right now when we say we're online, we're offline, it's kind of like gray. Like You have your phone on you, you're kind of online. If Maybe it's unlocked, it's more online. Um, but if you, think about, if you think about truly being offline versus online, maybe that'll become more important in the future where we'll actually need to be hardware-wise, fully offline in order to take a break from all that technology. Otherwise, you know, we'll just, it will overload our brains. Well, doesn't technology, doesn't being online actually in some cases help us stay offline? And I'm thinking of, for example, if I tell my Echo device to remember something or to remind me at a certain time and that I'm not checking my phone as much, or if I have technological filters set on my phone so that it only rings when a certain person calls or a certain person texts. I don't have to check all my texts to make sure I catch the one from that person. So I can actually be less distracted and let pick up my phone less by using more advanced technologies, in some cases anyway. True, yes. I think that what I'm saying is when we're much when we're connected to the when we are connected to the technology to the point where, like Luis is saying, our memories are just always there for us to pick up the thought process and continue on the stream, at that point we'll want to be able to hold off or turn that off. I don't know. Maybe there'll be like variable settings. Maybe like I want 75% of my memory. I don't even know how that would work because how do you even like gauge the quality of your memories and how is that all stored? This all I seems think it's terrifying to me. But then again, I'm an old fuddy-duddy. If you think well, it's terrifying, I, I'm not saying it's not. I think it's it, it could be really – it's going to change the way we live. But then again, think about how people lived 30 years ago. It's dramatically changed since 30 years ago how we live today. Not completely, but dramatically. And there are apps that exist where they will actually retain 75% of the data, the best data. Uh, for example – 
apps that will make photo books and they already know which of the photos are very similar to each other. So they'll pick the clearest, less blurry one of similar photos where somebody's not blinking in it. And they do that for you. And they find, so they're basically taking out all the best photos they think you're going to want. So you're not even making your photo book anymore. They are in essence, remembering the best percentage of data. You know, that it's you've also, taken. yeah. And you know what that thought, you know, what you just said reminded me of does AI, can AI or artificial intelligence, can an artificial intelligence program or algorithm have less attention or lose attention to something that it's doing? Ooh, and and good, if it can yeah. and if it could, does it even matter? Because it has, it can run multi processes at the same time. So it's not like it's crammed for time, right? We have attention spans, and the time matters to us because we can't process everything at once. But if you have a machine that can do a lot of computational power at once, it can go down distra distraction rabbit holes as man many times as it wants. In fact, going down these distraction holes might improve its ability to be good artificial intelligence. Well, isn't that what most thought processes are? Like it w when you think about, for example, neural networks and the way that the human right. brain kind of composes things that are more than just simple math equations, a lot of it is knowing what to take in and knowing what not to take in. For example, one of the reasons why for the love, why we all, I don't know if uh, this is 2018, so this may be dated in a year. I don't know if this will still be the case, but when you go online and you get one of those uh, CAPTCHA codes that you're trying to, you're trying to get into a website and it says, oh, identify all the stop signs. Yeah. What's powering behind that is one, humans are better at that because we know what to discern. We know that the red brick building behind the red stop sign is not a stop sign. It's the red the red sign that's a stop sign. Similar, if the sign is turned slightly, that's a stop sign, and the sky behind it isn't. They have become better at uh, identifying the things that they need to get to a certain result compared to the things that they don't need, and so they become more selective. So in, in and of itself, that's a, I guess you could say that's similar to attention, although I don't know if I would use the same terminology. But this also brings me to the idea that something you brought up earlier, Ray, which is also kind of terrifying to me, and it's the idea of the uh, Blade Runner-like uh, shopping mall where all of the shops are screaming at you for attention and they're throwing all these large VR images and they're like in your eyes or, uh, God forbid, the Futurama world where your dreams have ads in them. <laughs> Right, that would be something. Oof. It would. Well, I don't know if I'd call that something. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd ever go to sleep again. So, Ray, do you think, you know, as we move through time in the future, do you think that the ability to capture attention is different? And do you think? I mean, you seem to think that attention span could get longer. Even Louise said, you know, attention span hasn't gotten shorter. Now, it's not going to in the future, perhaps, you're saying. Will the ability to capture attention increase, decrease? From whose perspective? The ability to get someone else's attention? Yeah. I think it'll be harder because there'll be more competing forces trying to get your attention. So it'll just continue to get harder. New techniques will come emerge and new technologies will enable you know, more Does it like strobing efforts to get your attention. I mean, does it get harder because there are more sources? Higher quality. So like Luis was saying, so it's getting closer to your brain. So we're going, if you think of augmented reality, that's really close to your eye. If you think of virtual reality, that's basically makes you feel like you're there. Hmm. You know, so like it's going to be multi-sensory and this, it's going to affect our senses closer to home as the technology improves. So that's the thing. In the past, putting an ad in a newspaper is distracting. Someone, someone probably argued the first ad that was in a, or some sort of paper or book was like, no, we can't do that. That's a distracting thing. But over time, that was adopted and people put ads in newspapers and then magazines. Um, and then basically some magazines are like half advertisements, basically. Like every other page is an advertisement. That's how they pay for it. So as newspapers adopted advertisements and other things like commercials and TV and social media and now with the uh, 
the potential adoption of augmented reality and virtual reality, we keep getting closer to our core senses as a human being, as as something that can pull our energy or thought away from what we were doing before. That's what it is. We were doing something and now we're doing something else. That's what the loss of attention is, basically. So the better you get at driving into the human core and making them do something, look at something else, the better you are distracting them. And I wouldn't even call it a distraction. I don't think it's a distraction. It's just a, because unless you're doing something important before, it's not a distraction. It's just a, like the next thing to do. I think it's a wonderful time to stop for a little bit, give us a little break, and give you guys a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back to talk a little bit more about attention spans. Stay with us. Oh, man, next week's going to be crazy. I've been working on this presentation for days now, and I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to deliver it without everyone freaking out. This is going to be nuts. Everything's bad. I don't know how to just, I'm not sure how I'm going to deliver this without getting everyone worried about the state of the situation. What am I going to do? Ray, hey man, don't worry. I have a solution I work, use at work all the time and you'll be able to use it too. It's called the, Scurry Systems. Okay, what does it do? These autonomous robotic squirrels, basically, you can hire and they will scurry around the exterior of your office building. You just have to tell them the conference room, what level it's on, you know, which the windows face southwest. And these squirrels, like hundreds of them, they just scurry along the windows and they distract everyone who's listening to your presentation. Don't even have to worry. I'll take it. All right, everyone. Uh, here comes Ray. He's going to talk about the state of the business and his department. All right, Ray, you can go ahead. Uh, th thanks a lot, Bob. Hello, everyone. Um, today we're here to talk about the state of our company and uh, revenue profits and what's going on with our clients. So first slide here, we look at revenue and it's down for the year about 25%. And uh, this is mainly because we have lost a few of our clients in the beginning of the quarter, and primarily our biggest client was lost. Um, next, we did uh, have to let go of some employees. I know we are being sued by a few of our previous employees. Um, we're going to need about $35 million uh, next year in order to sustain our marketing what? efforts, which have... Are those squirrels? Why are there so many squirrels outside? So I'm a little bit worried about this approach. Does anyone else see this? Why are they going to pay attention? But they're doing backflips. Is anyone, no one else paying attention? Why are there so many squirrels outside? Uh, I guess I'm just going to have to give his department all the money. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to give him $35 million. I can't pay attention to this right now. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to that word from our sponsors. And now we're here to talk a little bit more about attention spans. At the top of the episode, we talked about attention spans before up to today. We talked later about attention spans into the future. And now Steph is here to talk a little bit about attention spans today. So, Steph, tell us about how are we doing on that whole attention span business? It actually reminds me of song lyrics by Charlie Puth. <laughs> uh, you just want attention. You don't want my heart. Maybe you just hate the thought of me with someone new. Yeah, you just want attention. I knew from the start. You're just making sure I'm never getting over you. <laughs> Did you I just like pull that. that off the top of your head? No, I read it. <laughs> okay. I was like, that was almost impressed there. <laughs> I'm still uh, impressed. Yeah, actually. Did I capture your attention, though? Yeah, you, it, we it. are a furtive audience right now. You know, I'm a digital marketer, and so attracting attention is part of what I hope to do at a lot of like advertisers want to do and one thing that is really effective at attracting attention that advertisers use is salience and it's the idea of being like different loud colorful something that's outside of the norm basically of the context so that you attract that attention so if somebody sees something that's off or out of the ordinary or brighter than usual or a different color than is usually experienced in that context, then you're going to likely attract their attention. 
but there are other ways to attract attention. And these are principles that aren't new. They're not like new because of digital marketing. They're principles that have been part of consumer behavior and consumer psychology for as long as there have been consumers, I guess. So, for example, you can attract attention by even the source. So if somebody is on the street saying something, you probably are, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I've got to focus on my podcast I'm listening to as I walk, take my walk, right? But if your famous baseball player or if Donald Trump were standing on the side of the road, you might start listening to whatever that person's saying because the source has changed. They are a source that you somehow pay attention, want to pay more attention to. So this is kind of part of the present tense of, of attention and what, get, like, what gets our attention. What's really interesting to me is maintaining attention, which I, I've kind of asked you about, Luis. Like, what's the difference between getting somebody's attention, that, that loud, bright thing or, or something that's relevant to their situation? I may pay attention to a 4th of July sale in July more than I would pay attention to a Star Stripes red, white, and blue clothing sale in September. Uh, so... What is it? Actually, Labor Day, you might want some red, white, and blue. <laughs> so it might be relevant. But what is it that keeps the attention span, as you mentioned, Louise? What is the duration due to? Uh, what, well, I mean, one you know? thing that we could talk about is influencers. There's something that draws attention. And yeah. For listeners interested in learning more about the topic, please listen to our previous episode on the same topic. What's interesting about influencers and maintaining attention is – you know, I, I mentioned that influencers can be an important source that gets you to pay attention, that attracts your attention, but they actually are a big factor in maintaining attention as well. And there, this goes down to a marketing principle that I learned when I took my first consumer behavior class, and it's the elaboration likelihood model at ELM. And so there are two ways to kind of process information when you get them any from anywhere in this in the case of marketing it's it's you know from an advertisement but really we use the elaboration likelihood model or we we our attention follows this model and uh there are two routes basically to process information one is central and one is peripheral so i'll give you some examples of you know how we pay attention if you are given some new information about something somebody wants to change your mind right you're trying to persuade somebody to buy a car right if they have the motivation to to process that information and the ability to process that information then they could start to process it centrally and a central processing means that you are actually listening to paying attention to and processing the information and cognitively choosing whether or not to change your mind about that thing whether to say yeah i should buy that car or no i still shouldn't buy that car you're listening to the facts right uh, and this is when you're like paying attention to arguments. The source, you know, is, is the source trustworthy or who, who is the source? The message, the context, uh, your own beliefs about that thing. The peripheral processing route is kind of what it sounds like. It's, it's on the edges. You're not going deep into and learning about that thing. You're taking peripheral cues about whether or not you should change your mind. So an example would be, like I said, Donald Trump is on the on the street. If I think he, that's even too. Know. I think that's even too. Per, that's not even peripheral. I would say a better example of peripheral mm -hmm. would be maybe someone who is also looking at a car kind of far away in the car dealership, for example, and they look happy. That, yes, like, that is peripheral. Would be a yes, peripheral signal. like a social cue. You see a lot. Of, like or a, another example is um, if you ha have read an article on your website and you're, you're listing the twenty reasons they should buy a car. The central root person would say, not that there's a person that's central root, but if, you're, if they're processing centrally, they'll read all the reasons and kind of think about them. If they're processing peripherally, they might say, you know what, if that person could think of 20 reasons, that it must be legit. They're not even going to read the reasons necessarily. They'll say, oh, it's legit because there's 20 reasons. Or like I said, like, oh, Trump said it, so I will or will not change my mind. Or I see somebody happy in that car, uh, positive emotions. So attention is kind of a tricky thing because it's not just about paying attention or not. It's actually the quality of attention 
And some advertisers actually want low quality attention because people are more likely to purchase based on cues for some things. And other marketers want high quality attention because if they process that information, they really will change their minds. So now it's not just about, you know, the future of attention being, am I distracted or not? The future of attention is, am I paying good quality attention or peripheral attention? Not that it's bad quality. This Uh, is actually uh, one of the things that, and I'm sorry to cut you off there. This is one of the things that makes me, the fact that there are different ways to attract attention and it's not just be big and flashy makes me slightly hopeful that the future of advertising isn't going to be extremely in your face. And I mean, we all remember the, the days of everywhere banner ads and uh, not banner ads, but uh, pop-ups. Pop-ups are, have become a somewhat of a thing of the past for most people who have some form of ad blocker. But, uh, as we, but there's a reason for that, right? There's other ways you can advertise without having to be obnoxious. So hopefully... Because it's kind of an arms race, those advertisers that realize that you can still get eyeballs on what you want and you can get people to act however how you want them to, it doesn't have to be by being upfront and flashy. You can do it by being subtle. And hopefully this means that we're not going to be completely bombarded in Ray's uh, dystopic future he loves. And it may not even be subtle or flashy is not – I mean subtle and flashy are two – points on a spectrum of salience but there are other spectra there are other lines of reasoning than just being subtle or flat that i mean all advertising doesn't just like go, go on yeah, that spectrum. of course of there's course. relevance I, is it really relevant to my situation right now or not i may pay attention to a baby bottle if i have a baby it's very relevant to me i may pay more attention to that and if but if i don't have a baby and there's a baby bottle ad, if it's really flashy or really subtle, if it's, it gives me all the reasons it is the best product ever or not, it's not relevant, and therefore I may not pay high enough attention, quality attention, to that piece of content. So that's kind of per... And, and I know we talk about attention in a, in a marketing context because it's we think about advertisement and we think about attention, but think about the family atmosphere and the quality of attention that you give to your the people in your family. So your mom calls, are you doing other stuff? You're kind of surfing the web. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you're not really there in the conversation. Is that, are you really paying attention to that person who's called you on the phone? And so do the quality of our relationships actually get deeper if our attention is also higher quality? Is attention kind of Mm -hmm. tied to relate the quality of relationships. So is a person's ability to actually pay attention going to affect their relationships in the long term? I I would say so. I mean, if you can't pay attention to the person you're talking to, you don't look them in the eye and do the things that people normally like to see when they're talking to you. So they know, oh, this person knows that knows me, wants to talk to me, and it has an interest in being present when I am here, then you're more likely to have a positive relationship with that person. That's not to say that you should like get really close and like stare someone in the eyeballs and like mimic literally everything they say. Obviously, you can take things too far, but have paying attention and being a good communicator are always important. And whether you're doing that as an advertiser, or you're doing that as a as like just a personal friend that you want to meet someone or be friendly with someone, it's hugely important. We have these cues of attention that are cultural, uh, kind of the the dogma of attention, (laughs) which is, you know, I need to make eye contact. I need to kind of give some verbal feedback. I need to be very, but then again, I think of eavesdropping as attention. You can pay very high quality attention while eavesdropping where you have none of the cultural cues that are typical to paying high quality attention to something. And so do we, is our understanding of attention even off? We think of marketers who say, for example, if this person doesn't watch through the whole video, they have less attention than the person who watched the whole video. Or if this person didn't click the ad, they don't have as they didn't pay as much attention as the person that or the person who paid attention was the one who clicked versus the one who just kind of saw it and scrolled past. If they had an elaboration 
that happened cognitively, even in the brief second, they had a, a central processing. Because it's not about speed, right? Going on peripheral versus central is not a time. It can be time spent, but it's also a quality of cognitive change that could happen. Then technically somebody who saw that ad and acted on it much later or that kind of they thought about it as they moved through their life versus the person who clicked and looked around but didn't really process the information or, you know, they were just kind of curious or distracted. Does that change? I mean, I, I'm just kind of challenging our assumptions about what attention culturally yeah. looks like. And I'm, I'm curious because you brought up uh, click clicking on ads or watching ads uh, on the internet, for example. And that's something that I'm curious how we think how marketers think about that. I'm not coming from the marketing world myself, so I may not be as familiar with this, but how do we, how do marketers deal with the idea of, hey, a lot of people put on things idly, the same way that people listen to podcasts, and they'll just leave commercials on, and uh, does that affect the way we think about, are they paying attention? Because that's the lowest quality of attention, right? When someone has a thing on, but they're not even looking at it. They're in another room, cleaning, do, doing di dishwashing, whatever it is that they need to be doing, and they're not paying attention to it at all. And as we collect more and more and more and more and more data and things and more and more and more and more things compete for attention, this is probably going to become more of an issue for advertisers, right? Are we are commercials going to stop automatically if they notice that you're not looking at them and only resume if you look at them again? I, think, I mean, that's that's already been done to a degree. And I, I think know, like, aren't there mobile apps where if you set the phone down, it it, it knows and like pauses versus picking it back up? Like it just, you know, there's there's technology that's starting to understand whether or not you're paying attention. So they can even, even not for I ads think, necessarily, but for yeah. videos when you're watching them. We'll also have the ability to track eyeballs. So not only is the ad playing where the person's watching, like what part of the video were they watching or what part of the picture are they looking at the longest? And there's also future technologies being developed now in order to tokenize advertisements. So you can have an, a completely decentralized exchange. There's one, for example, called basic attention token. And, uh, you know, basic attention token or they're really working on creating this platform so you can actually get paid, as I was saying earlier, for watching advertisements. Of course, it's a micro payment and it's very small, but it also helps advertisers and publishers and the actual other platforms, other websites that are, um, you know, hosting these advertisements because it'll protect the person's privacy as well. So it's like the Facebook won't have to deal with storing any of the person's information or keeping it safe because it'll all be on a decentralized exchange and i know that's an oversimplification of everything there but um the idea is the potential for a tokenized marketing or advertisement advertisement platform is is getting built as we speak as we speak but it'll have to use kind of biometric data that that indicates what attention is i mean you can't use for example using your eyeballs at, at looking at something because that's not necessarily what attention is. So you, they have to think about, well, what's the biometric data or what are the neural signals that indicate this person really is paying attention? Ah, uh, so I think fair enough. Good point. I think there'll be many years where just having eyeballs on the screen and the right direction will be enough because how are you going to get into it? I mean, what well, else if it's are a you video, doing? For example, you can listen to a yeah. video. I mean, you're saying that basically if you're blind, you can't pay attention. I mean, that's... Look, every time we look at our phones, there's a camera facing us every single time, right? And it's possible. I'm not... I'm not I don't like this future. I'm just saying that it's possible <laughs> based on what we've seen in the past and how things have gone forward. And with the argument that although there's a camera watching you, the other side is, is safe. There's a secure way for sharing that information without anyone else looking at you. The only thing the other side will know is that there is eyeballs on this and this person is truly looking at this advertisement, for example. But they won't be getting your information or what's on the other side of that camera. It'll just confirm. It'll be proof of proof of attention. In a way, yeah. And all that, I'm and saying many is, ways you need to, to go. You need to go beyond eyeballs to to have proof of it. Yeah, I agree. We will go beyond eyeballs, but initially, like with given like the easy ability for cameras to do this, like today, basically, I just think that the next, you know, three to five years will be very much on the eyeball. 
Well, so I think what I what I would wrap up with you know the present of what does attention look like and what does attention mean to us? People are learning that attention is much more than we previously thought it was. So the way we measured attention in the past is different. Even if attention itself uh, psychologically has not changed in the way we behave as humans, the way we measure it, we're learning how to measure it in a in a better way. That we're learning that attention isn't necessarily what we thought it was, and this you know, whether it's the elaboration likelihood from the 80s or newer methods of kind of frameworking what attention looks like. Attention, for example, on on different ways of measuring. It's not just time spent with a person. It is probably the quality or the relevance of that of attention that we give. So I think we need to, I think the future of attention is learning what attention really is. All right, Ray, last words on attention. Yeah, I think I like that. We still need to learn about the brain a little bit more to know what attention really is. And I think that we're, you know, we're getting there. Not just through the lens of marketing or advertising, but also in the lens of, um, you know, science and biology. I think that we didn't get too much into that, but for another conversation. And listeners, I recommend that everyone here and everyone listening should take a moment to think about their own attention spans and what, what things distract them. And with that, we come to the close of another wonderful episode of Positive Feedback Loop. I want to thank my lovely co-hosts for being with me today. And I want to encourage all of you to check us out at our social media at uh, at the Positive Feedback Loop for Twitter. Uh, We have a new YouTube channel, which we encourage everyone to go visit. Go to our website at pflpodcast.com or check us out on Facebook at PFL Podcast and... Also, check out our sister podcast, Health Unchained, starring Ray, for all your healthcare and blockchain needs. So thank you again for joining us, and have a lovely day. And as always, stay crazy. crazy.